What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Muslims Off Podcast, where I am your host, Miss Nakia Monet. Hope y'all are feeling all right. Y'all know I've been on break, but I will always come back off of a break when there's something that I feel that we, we need to be speaking about. And we have something that we definitely need to speak about, which is why we have Bishop Senegal here with us tonight. Hi, Bishop. How are you? Grace and peace. I'm well. How are you? You know, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm well. I'm here. Um, one of the things that we have definitely been speaking about, um, especially for the last few weeks, is the situation that has brewed out of um, Des Moines, Iowa. Um, a lot of people have seen it, um, a lot, but for those of you who potentially might not have, I'll give you a, a brief synopsis, a backdrop of what, what I'm talking about. Uh, basically, there is um, a bishop uh, down in Des Moines, Iowa, um, over a church that, that went that he married um, at the time a 19-year-old teenage girl. Um, and I say 19-year-old teenage girl because at the end of the day, when you are 19, you are yet and still a teenager. Um, you have not fully developed or blossomed into womanhood. So you are a teenager. Um, and this man who married a 19-year-old teenage girl um, at the time was... I believe 62 or 63 years old, someone whom is uh, old enough to be her grandfather. Um, this, to me, uh, was something that needed to be discussed. It was something that needed to be looked into. It was something that uh, no person, uh, no human being in their right mind would think that something like this would be okay. Um, so, I have been paying very close attention to the story. I have been posting about the story, um, which then led me to Bishop Senegal because 
you have really been um, a leader or a spearhead in this in this story to get the, to really and truly get the story out there so that more of us uh, were aware of it. So, Bishop, if you can, how did you even learn of the story? Uh, again, th thanks for having me on tonight. I someone sent me a video um, and a, a few posts that a young lady uh, by the name of Jasmine had been talking about this. She was a former member of the Christ Apostolic Temple there in Des Moines, the church that this, what the scriptures define as a wolf in sheep's clothing is the uh, is the pastor of. And um, after I saw those videos and we had the opportunity to to speak with her um, and then begin speaking with numerous members uh, of this church and people that come out of this church, uh, it was clear to us that um, this is, again, a, a predator that is in the pulpit. The founder of a advocacy group called Safe House Unmuzzled, um, and our primary focus is looking at um, protecting, defending, and restoring victims of gross clergy abuse and predatory sexual misconduct. Mm -hmm. And uh, looking into this, this is precisely what this is. It was a burden and is a burden for me for several reasons. I have no personal relationship to anybody involved. I'd never heard of a Dwight Reed before uh, learning about this. For me, Number one, the misrepresentation of the name of God, that the enemies of God have been given an opportunity to take contempt with the Lord because of this misrepresentation in the pulpit of what it means to be born again and what it means to be a man of God, the responsibilities and the safety that should be there. We, we've called the church building and the space that we gather and we've called it a sanctuary for years. Um, but things like this make it clear that many of these so-called sanctuaries are anything but uh, uh, safe spaces. And, and then that this man is an apostolic pastor. Uh, I'm an apostolic pastor. I'm an apostolic bishop. And um, again, that, that misrepresents uh, the church, the doctrine, and the God that we serve. And when people experience the kind of religious trauma that mm -hmm. this is clearly going to be a root out of which that trauma will spring out of. For many people, especially people who grow up in this culture where faith and more than faith, the voice of faith, the pastor, is a primary thread of the fabric of that person's life through which they see the world, mm -hmm. through which they see life in general. When that is shattered by this kind of... of uh, treachery and what we have come to hear, you know, kind of abusive culture that has perme uh, permeated this church for years. When they come out of it, it doesn't just affect their relationship with that church. Right. It alters their view of God and it alters their view of the church at large. And normally these confrontations happen by people who are outside of the church, who may have an offense with the church. So then those that are in the church can turn a a deaf ear to it. And uh, so for me and, and men of God that are standing with us, it's important for us as active pastors, as active spiritual leaders to, from within the church, make it clear that there's a line of demarcation, that that doesn't represent our God or our church. And I, and I, and, and I appreciate you for saying that, because for so long I have told people, 
um, on this platform, on Facebook, there are two churches that are that are in operation right now. One church is man-made, mm-hmm. which has its own system, which has its own structure, which which has its own belief system, which has its own rules and regulations. And then you have the Church of God, which understands the context, the precepts, understands God, understands the Bible, follows the Bible, follows the teaching of the scriptures. And when you have these two churches that are truly operating under one umbrella, you begin to blur the line of demarcation to where people in general do not know, they do not fully understand that they're not exactly in a church house that is a sanctuary, that is um, a house of prayer, that is a place of refuge, that is a place of peace, that is also a place of hope, that is a place of restoration, that is a place of redemption, because you you begin to grow in a system that is actually toxic and abusive and it's spiritually abusive. And then you begin to form a viewpoint of God that is not God, but is more man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's that same inability for some to distinguish and to separate mm-hmm. from what are the true and what are the false that then causes some well-meaning Christians and believers to sit extremely uncomfortably in relationship to a prophet of God crying out against a man who, who calls himself a bishop. Uh, I think sometimes we we think the immediate objective and ultimate goal is always peace. And that is not the case. Jesus said, think not that I came for peace, but I came for the sword. And there are some measures of peace that only come on the other side of confrontation. Mm-hmm. There is a time for intercession and then there's a time for confrontation. Jeremiah Chapter number six, the prophet said, the priests and the prophets cry peace, peace, where there is no peace. And I think that we, and I say we church folk at large are more concerned with the image of peace than we are the reality of peace, safety, and wholeness that should be the culture of the church visible, the local church and the body of Christ at large. Yeah, and I I definitely um, agree with that because you know you you see one of the largest messages that comes out of the church is be quiet, right? Right. Keep your mouth shut. Just right. take it to God in prayer. And right. there is there is a time when you have to stop praying, but acknowledge the fact that God gave you a weapon, which is your mouth, Absolutely. and that you can use it very well Absolutely. in order to. You know, it's like as if we only want to use our weapon of our mouth only in prayer to break strongholds, but we don't understand that we actually have power here on this earth to do the same thing. And especially when you see an illegal system that is birthed inside of the church. Absolutely. Uh, In in, in Joshua uh, chapter number seven, Joshua was on his face praying Mm -hmm. after the people of God had gotten out of right standing with God. And the voice of the Lord came to him and said, get Get off of your Mm -hmm. face. Stop yep. praying and go out there and deal with it. And um, there is a time again for intercession. And then there is a time for, for confrontation. It is impossible to be a prophetic and or an apostolic people. It is impossible to be the people of Christ and where there is oppression and or injustice to sit quietly and think that your only assignment is to take it to God in prayer. No, you take it to God in prayer. There's a time to stand down and then there's a time to stand up. And 
And where there is an obvious abuse of spiritual authority, that's the time to stand up. Jesus came and Jesus did not placate these religious leaders of his day no. who were using their spiritual authority to oppress and to violate God's people and to muzzle the mouths of those who didn't have the power that they had. And um, whenever you're silent in the face of an injustice, that silence never helps the person being violated. It yep. only helps the violators. Yes. And that uh, the question every person should ask themselves is if you were in a situation where someone who had more power than you was in some way using that power to abuse you, even with the pseudo image of your complicity, mm -hmm. would you want people who know better and can see better and have the same power to sit quietly or would you want them to open their mouth? I would want them to open their mouth, but I have come to the, the conclusion that as, as much as people act like they are warriors and they are this, that, and that, there are a lot of people truly are scared punks when it comes down to taking a stand for righteousness. We only want to take a stand for righteousness when we think we're coming against what we perceive as sin, Absolutely. but we don't want to stand for righteousness when we can blatantly see that there is an actual injustice happening, which is this man married a young girl that graduated from his church school. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's this whole um, false relationship be between the church and, and judgment. We spend more time in the church judging those who are outside of the church. Mm -hmm. We've got everything to say about people who sit in the pew and for, for the average, especially in within this context, the apostolic church, homosexuality is the pinnacle of yes. sin uh, within that church. And um, scripture says it would be, it would be worse for those who reject the truth on the day of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, or rather than it would be for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment. Jesus says it'll be better for a person who causes a little one to stumble, a little one, like a kid, yep. like a, a teenager, mm -hmm. for them to tie a milestone around their neck and to be cast into the river. In 1 Corinthians chapter number five, there is this whole moral disorder that has begun to permeate that church. Yes. And the Bible said that these Christians were puffed up in pride, right. mm -hmm. thinking that they were so loving because they were embracing this person who had no intention to repentance, had no intent, intention to changing, uh, uh, to changing what it was that he was doing. And the Bible said that Paul tells them that they had an assignment. He said, you all are to purge out of your church. One of, one of the elders who's a part of, of the advocacy group said that there's a time to pray, but then there's a time to purge. Mm -hmm. Paul says in verse number uh, uh, 12, he said, listen, it's God's job to judge them that are outside Side of, the, of church. the church. That's right. But the ones who are in the church, Paul says, you are to judge in order to defend the church. And um, what, but what I've learned is that some people, even some men of God, are unable to, to open their mouths because of stuff that they're afraid may come out of their own closet. And it's a dangerous way to live uh, when, when you're living makes it impossible for you to speak up when your voice is uh, is needed the most. It's it's mind blowing to me 
that there are people who would attempt to normalize a 63-year-old man, mm-hmm. a pastor, mm-hmm. the overseer and dean of this school, mm-hmm. marrying, again, a teenager who teenager. grew up in this church, a teenager whose only context for spiritual authority is that church. And it's intellectually unintegral for us to approach today without any consideration of the context of yesterday. To say that this girl, because she's she's grown and not considered, number one, she's not grown, she's groomed, number one, and not consider what led up to this space. Because no teenage child in their right mind would find anything appealing, sexually attractive, or desirable to marry about a man, her grandfather's contemporary. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, I don't know, and and this is, if anyone has not watched um, his tirade from last Sunday and the Sunday before, you have to watch these, these videos in order to understand um, what is happening and the context in which we are speaking. He has gone on to say that this young girl, this teenager, she's a grown woman, fully capable of making these decisions. When the truth of the matter is, is that any one of us, especially women, if we're honest, at the age of 18, we were not capable of making a decision, especially to marry. On top of that, she just graduated high school. On top of that, she has not lived nor experienced life's experiences. What she's experienced is in the confines of the rules of that church, which from what I have been told and from what I understand, they are very, very rigid. That church literally advises people on whom they should marry. They have arranged marriages. Um, And the list goes on. There are women that have come out of that church that have, you know, stated the, the, the level of spiritual abuse that goes on in that house. It is more like a cult-like behavior in that church, which is the reason why you have a lot of the people, even within the congregation, turning against their own family who do not agree with this line of, 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 of living, who have come out against it um, very vocally their own families are turning against them um, because we have taught in church culture, you don't come against my pastor. You don't come against my church. And then you have a man that knows very well how to proof text scripture to pull out a message that he wants to get across in order to make it seem like he is justified in his actions in the Lord. And then to make it seem like everyone else that is coming against him is evil and that God is going to repay them and avenge him. Um, He's very crafty and very manipulative in that way. And when a person can sit there and do that publicly, knowing that his, his stream is being broadcast publicly for, for the, for, technically for the world to see, right? You can only imagine the level of teaching that goes on that has been embedded in that culture because people have literally been manipulated into believing that that is true. So that anybody that come against them, you all go into hell and he shall be exalted. Absolutely. You know, one, one of the things that, that, again, as you mentioned, this this continual harping on 
that Jordan, this teenager, is grown is to imply that there is an uninfluenced measure of moral agency that she's operating in. Yes. Um, number one, moral agency is is limited. Number two, it's more often than not an illusion. Number three, it's always constrained by the construct in which that agency is set. So if again, yes. I have a, a young girl who grows up in this culture where the bishop is the, the voice of God and the only voice of God, where there is a measure of infallibility that is presupposed. Mm -hmm. Number two, the culture of the African-American community. We, we are not raised to be in relate in, in a marital relationship with our grandparents contemporaries were raised to respect them and to and to honor them uh number three again a context in which two words alter all relationship with morality mm -hmm. and ethics two words god said god said and at the minute those two words are employed or deployed then there is nothing else to be said. And if you say anything else, then you're accused of being blasphemous, a gross misuse and abuse of the word of God to isolate scripture outside of its context in order to create a pretext for a proof text is yes. to be a con of the text. And this is what we've been seeing across this pulpit for the last several weeks, isolating scriptures that, if anything, would be in reference to the to predator him. that stands in that pulpit. Mm -hmm. um, but what we're witnessing, I've been talking a bit about moral disengagement. And uh, uh, moral disengagement is the gradual disengaging of moral self-sanction, that the boundaries of what is acceptable the boundaries of what we know to be ethical, the boundaries of what we know to be right, that those boundaries are gradually disengaged and behavior that would normally be viewed as reprehensible, as immoral, as unacceptable, we begin to make it tolerable and, and benign. And one of the ways that we do that is moral justification, which is taking myself and comparing myself to whatever the people I'm talking to perceive to be the worst Lord. sin. Mm -hmm. So this man gets over the pulpit. He 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 sends out you know this this preacher. He's a homosexual, a lie. Yeah. He sends out this stuff about members of the church who are crying out against him. Now for me, if I'm a member sitting in the church and my pastor gets over the pulpit, and people who were just sitting in these pews next to me that have left. And the things that he learned in confidence as a pastor mm -hmm. now openly uses them to attack those members. What their mind should instantly recognize is the moment you open your mouth, you're next. You're next. And, and, and I think it's that very fear that he counts on triggering these people's fight, flight or freeze sensors that mm -hmm. them seeing him attacking them now puts them in a posture to freeze, knowing if they speak out, he's going to do the same thing to them. Right. 
So I don't go against the grain. I got to stay within, I have to stay within this grain because I'm scared of the repercussion that will have, even if, even if I have the, 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 the moral obligation and character to understand that this is wrong. I can't speak out against it being wrong because he knows too much of information about me. So therefore I don't want what just happened to them to happen to me across this pulpit. Absolutely. You know, but it's a fear tactic. That is that, and that is something that has been. I, I, I talk about this all the time within a man-made church structure. That is something that is always used. You use your pulpit um, as a weapon in order to take aim at anyone that does not agree. Um, I said it even earlier this week on Facebook. I said some of y'all that are so angry about this whole Will Smith situation. I have seen you literally attempt to berate someone when they don't even agree with your leader on wow. Facebook, in wow. comment sections. Wow. You know, it's this cult-like behavior that we have normalized within the church because we have taught people, this is how you act. If one comes against, they're coming against us all. You right. don't allow any attack to come to your pastors. Your job, especially leaders in the church, we've been taught this. I was taught this. Your job is to protect your pastor at all costs. Forget, don't protect the faith. Don't protect the integrity of what you are supposed to be representing. No, you protect your fa- your pastor at all costs and you don't allow anyone right, wrong, or indifferent to come and attack your leader. And this is what we have. We have a bunch of amens to something that is utterly foolish and honestly disgusting. Like you said earlier, what young girl at 18 years old would be romantically, physically, anything to a 60? And that man is so vile to the point where he got in that pulpit and said, and we sleeping good. He sound utterly disgusting describing the fact that he's sleeping good with a 19 year old girl. Right, right. And, and and one of the things I appreciate about, about your conversation and much of the conversation that has been taking place online, uh, uh, the second mechanism of more disengagement is sanitized language. Mm-hmm. When we downplay what things are, how we should define them, when we try to call something like this just a, a misjudgment, misjudgment. Mm-hmm. you know, when, when we water down the language and, and not identify it as, number one, abuse not identify this as a very cultish culture within this church. Um, uh, yesterday, you know, I share with you, I was in Wednesday on yesterday. So yesterday, as I was waiting to come on, I, I pulled up to look at what are the markings of a cult. And uh, uh, there were uh, six markings that Dr. Michael Lagan, the editor of Cultic, of the Cultic Studies Journal, identified as markings of a cult. Number one, it's unquestioning commitment to a domineering leader Mm -hmm. where the members are again uh, beholden to an individual regardless of that individual's lifestyle, regardless of that individual's incongruency with the scriptures that they preach. Um, Number two, dissent and discussion is discouraged that there is no space for discussion there is no space to to disagree there Mm -hmm. is no space to say hey that's wrong um and what happens in such a culture is people who are emotionally immature um mentally immature 
fragmented and or wounded become more vulnerable to the leader's gift of gab. The third uh, marking of a cult was that cult members um, are preoccupied with the safety of the cult leader. That anybody that says anything that makes clear in public opinion a, a, a again an incredibly reprehensible identity about that cult leader then those members rise to the occasion the next one was the polarization of of members that members develop this us versus them attitude mm -hmm. that that it's us and that's what we're seeing at christ apostolic temple these people who clearly know that this is wrong. They know it's wrong for several reasons. Number one, the same man who's standing up there saying that God told him that this teenager was his wife is upon information and belief. The same man who stood up there last year with a young lady who's still on the praise team in that church to this day. I won't call her name on here so as not to bring attention to her, but stood up and said the same God gave him the same word. Um, for her. For her. Yes, and, and they were engaged, and 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 then that that got called off. But this whole polarization of us versus them—it's it's it's Christ Apostolic Temple against the world. Yes, and if we were talking about for the sake of the gospel, then Amen. If we were talking about for the sake of the cause of Christ, Amen. Draw That's the right. line in the sand. But we're talking about for the sake of the reprehensible reputation of what the scriptures identify as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Jesus said that we know the tree by the fruit, fruit it bears. that it bears. Mm -hmm. And upon information and belief, the founder of this church for almost 20 years stood across that pulpit and told this church what kind of character his own son, Dwight Reed, had what kind of man he was, that he would never, never. pastor that church. But now this, this, this church is, is disillusioned and has forgotten all of that. And all of a sudden he is, he is God's man. The, the next marking of a cult was rebellion against other sources of authority. And so what we see now, we have men of God, women of God, who are reputable sources of authority within the church who are speaking out against this, confronting this, saying, hey, give attention to this. And his response is to take to the pulpit with unfounded lies. And then I heard on, on this past Sunday, uh, he attempted to leverage the indiscretions of other individuals that negatively affected my life as mm -hmm. though that that was supposed to be some mark against me and uh, against my character. And so if, if you all that, that are watching, if you look at this test for the marks of a cult, there is no argument. It is clear that this is a cult. Some of y'all go to cults, but we ain't talking about that. Um, let's talk about the fact that because there, there is a lot of commentary, because I believe that we are, we, we are a disillusioned people to think that because something happened against us, that therefore disqualifies us from taking a stand for something that is blatantly wrong. What, sure. do, what, how would you respond to that? Because people are definitely attacking you because of something others, others did to you. Sure. Sure. And because of your reaction to what they did to you. So now it's as if you're disqualified. You need to just deal with your house and don't go in someone else's house. Because that's basically what that man said across that pulpit. Sure, sure. 
you know, number one, um, any married person that's watching me right now, any person that desires to be married, here is the fact. There is nothing you can do to stop your spouse from doing whatever they want to do. They're grown. They're an adult. Uh, uh, Number two, I think it says a lot that his attack against me was not about me. And it was not about things that I had done. It was not about some reprehensible mark against me. It was about things that others did. There's this whole culture within the church that thinks that we can shame people who have experienced trauma into growing silent. One of the reasons that after taking a year to, in in terms of openly and online and even within my local church to to sit quietly, to not address any of the stuff that had gone on uh, in my personal life was um, because when you're healed, you tell the story differently. You do. But I had a commitment to my responsibility and call to be an example to believers in all things. And so once I had come to a place where what I'd experienced had been integrated, I talked about it myself. So here's the deal. You can't tell on a person who tells on themselves. You're right about it. You can't shame a person. You can't shame me with stuff that has already been addressed and already been talked about. But let's play let's play devil's advocate here and 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 say that we did bring that to the table of conversation. This whole idea that something happening within somebody else's life or within their home uh, and their ability to confront iniquity in the church as though those two things are mutually exclusive mm-hmm. is an unfounded uh, unfounded idea. I've handled um, what has happened in, in my house, but that don't have nothing to do with the price of tea in China. I think we tell folk to mind their business at the wrong time. See, that's right. where some of y'all need to mind your business because that <laughs> don't have nothing to do with my alignment with First Timothy chapter number three. Now, we're going to look at that. Let's let's compare this this preacher we're talking about and um, and, and the me word. And, and, and the word of God. And yeah. I don't want to be, um, you know, I don't allow people to to pull me into shining a light on what is shaming and shameful for for someone else and in someone else's uh, uh, life decisions that that they made that uh, is shaming and shameful for them. I'm not going to that's that's beneath me. I won't be pulled into that. Uh, But to those uh, on the Kia who, you know, worry and, and wonder about that. Bishop Senegal as well. Um, that is that is put behind uh, uh, me. And today we're dealing with this. Period. So I want all of y'all to fully understand that what you're not going to do, I'll say it this way. What you're not going to do is attempt to discredit this man and the mission at hand because you're too immature to understand the magnitude of what exactly just transpired. What goes on in someone's per and one of the, and let me say, and you're a coward for even bringing up what and and this is for even Dwight Reed because I know he said that he you know he has he has all his spies watching what everyone is doing. So this even goes for him as well. You're a coward for even bringing that up against someone 
when because you are acting, you are living a foul life. Any man, and I don't care, any man, you a grown man, and you look upon a child as your wife, you right. are vile, right. you are a vile creature, and you're actually disgusting. Man, I'm not even dealing with the title, right? right. Because I, I, I am fully aware that a donkey can have a title of an ass, period. Right. So any person can be given a title, but it takes someone with integrity. It takes someone with character. It takes someone with morality. It takes someone with some type of ethical method in order to live up to the standard of that title, which he has not. He does not. He is a def He definitely is a criminal. And when you really think about it, at the age of 18 years old, you didn't just wake up one day and the Lord just whispered upon right. your ear and said, this is your wife. Behold, this is your wife. When you were just interested in another woman in the church just a year ago. Right. That's actual truth. Right. Absolutely. Which can be substantiated. Right. Absolutely. Now, the difference is, is that we're dealing with someone that is very boastful, that is very prideful and fails to understand that there are those that are outside of his fold that actually have common sense. Absolutely. absolutely. And just because people within your fold have absolutely no common sense does not mean that when this thing became public, now the public can see and understand that this makes absolutely no sense. My father is around this man's age. When I was younger, at the age of 18 years old, one of the, 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 one of the best advice I know my, fa my father gave me as a young girl was, what would an old man have in common with you that an older man would like Absolutely. to date you? Absolutely. You're crossing generations here. Absolutely. So what does he have in common with a child? Absolutely. That they can build upon a life. A man that has already been married three times. Absolutely. With those ex-spouses, two of them at least coming out and saying that he was very abusive towards Absolutely. them. Two of them have publicly stated this. Two. So at what point do we as the people begin to take a stand and say this is wrong? I told y'all on live a couple of weeks ago. I said the reason why these people are allowed to do what they do is because we fund their play. Right. And right. this, this goes across the board of any person that has a ministry title that um, acts in, a, in an unethical way. We fund their play. There are lots of conversations that have taken place um, as it pertains to what goes on at these big conferences that a lot of these people like to go to. And you have the church prostitutes that show up at the end of the conference because these men are so high in the spirit when they come down, they flesh need to be fed. I think that is a very disgusting um concept that is taught in the church, number one. Mm -hmm. And I've seen women te teach that to other women. Talk about when your husband finished preaching, be ready because his flesh is going to need to be satisfied. All this other extra foolishness that ain't supported biblically nowhere. It's just something that y'all done made up because y'all view God as some nasty high, which is disgusting. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just going to say it. Y'all view the spirit as a nasty high. And this is why you got a lot of these perverted people running around here. Because as much as I preach, I didn't need sex right after. I wanted food and some water because my mouth was dry. That's it. But I didn't need sex right after. All this, you're in such a high, your adrenaline is running. So when it comes down, you need to burn. Y'all are disgusting. Men and women alike, all of y'all that preach that foolishness, you're disgusting because it's not biblical. You're nasty. 
Okay. And this is what's going on. And this is why this man was able to groom this child who was at his school at a young age. She was there. This man was supposed to be a counselor. What counselor looks upon a child? Right. Right. Her, her, her uh, in, in the information and belief is that as her parents had gone, were going through a difficult divorce, he instructs her father to begin bringing her out for, for spiritual counseling. counseling um because he's gonna you know help her help her get through it it's amazing to me that um on this past sunday he took to the pulpit and began trying to tell the past of of former members trying to grab something from that happened to me in my past yet when it comes to him he says his past, his past is under the blood only and his though only his everybody shout the devil is a lie Past can't be used against you. He does all of that concerning himself. He calls a black woman a gorilla yes, across the pulpit. And um, and saints of God clapped and laughed and, and, cheered. I, I, and cheered. And I see why. I can see why he would pursue a teenager because it's obvious that that's the age demographic that he's most comfortable in. That was a child in the pulpit acting like that on on Sunday. And one of the you used a word that we don't discuss in the church and that is ethics. Ethics. We think that titles mm -hmm. and spiritual calisthenics override the responsibility to be ethical. In any other domain where there is a caregiver and caregivee relationship, there are ethical boundaries that the caregiver is responsible to holding. And even within a church, a pastor and the members have a fiduciary relationship because the pastor is assumed to place the needs and the welfare and the best interest of the member, the caregivee, above his own self-interest. But there's nothing selfless about a 63-year-old man who allows and asks a child to dedicate the best years of her youth and young adult life to him. There's nothing selfless about that. There's nothing that, that is mindful of the fiduciary responsibility about that. And there is a measure of assumption. Again, we're coming into a sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Been in this church your whole life. There's mm -hmm. an assumption that you're not going to be exploited, that the use of God said is not going to be used just to feed one's own self-interest. And where we see that it is happening, the scriptures give us a responsibility for those who say, well, why don't y'all mind your business? And, and why don't y'all be quiet? And, and that's why Folk don't come to the church now because we always fighting against each other. No, no, people are not coming because it is clear to people who are not under the intoxication of false doctrine that the sanctuary for many is unsafe. That's Ezekiel right. 34 and 2 told the prophet prophesy against the shepherds. Yeah. Why? Because they feed themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is. There was a lust at work that he wanted to feed and use the vulnerability and immaturity of a child to feed that lust. And I think we need to understand, right? So good bishop is going to hit y'all biblically. And yeah. then I'm going to deal with the what we what what is called pedo grooming. Okay. 
That is when an adult builds a relationship, trust, and emotional connection with a child or young person so they can manipulate, exploit, and abuse them. Children and young people who are groomed can be sexually abused, exploited, and trafficked. That's what's happening here. This young girl was groomed into thinking that this is normal. And some of y'all don't like to admit the truth, but young women are raised up in the church and we are taught in the church that it is an honor when a leader, when someone with this title wants you as their wife. We are taught that that is an honor. We are taught that that is a privilege. And we are taught that if he was to come, we are to accept. That is taught. So for her, being a young woman, she was groomed into this mind frame from a young age, 14, 15. So think of, and if we truly understand how the mind of a child is developed, we would understand that that was the time in which she was trying to come to her own self to understand who she is right? As a child, because then that shapes where you're going in the future. But if as a child, you were being groomed into being the spouse of a nasty old man, when you hit 18, you're going to think this is normal. How many other kids did he buy a car in the school? None. And, and, and that's one of the, the first steps in grooming is special attention, making the person that's being groomed feel like they're different. They are given access to conversations that other people would not be. They're given gifts that other folks are not given. Um, the question the question that, that Dwight should, should answer is, is at what age and when did he buy this teenager a car? Mm -hmm. not, 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 not as his wife, why? Why did he buy this child? A car. Why did he stand up across the pulpit and say that he was going to be showing her special attention? Special attention. And again, we're sitting here with this whole just ignorant response of, well, they're two grown people. It's it's not against the law. So so what can we do? It, it, number one. That that argument, the, the relationship between law and ethics is not always clear. Right. And just because something is legal, somebody type this in the comments, legal does not mean ethical. Right. Not long ago, it was legal to own slaves in this country. Didn't make it ethical. It was legal to rape and to murder those slaves in this country. It was legal to deny women the right to vote in this country. It was legal to profit from child labor. So this whole idea that the law is the embodiment of ethicalness and morality is a false notion. That's the responsibility of God's people. The people of God are supposed to be the embodiment of what it means to be ethical and what it means to be moral and what it means to have a conscious and any person who looks on this and thinks that it's normal and tries to make the rest of us believe that it's normal and that it's okay has either had their conscience seared or you've been a victim of spiritual manipulation. 
Yeah. You have been manipulated into thinking that this is ethical and okay. Just mind your business and leave that to grown folks. And that has definitely been um, a, a wide range of commentary. Um, you need to mind your business. Um, her father walked her down the aisle. And let me say this to the father. I don't know what father would sell their child unless you're really not a father. A father, when you think of the job of a father, you think of the job of number one, the, the very first thing a father does, especially for his daughter, you protect her. Yes. You cover her. You shield her. You do not sell her to a man for position. So a lot of you are asking, well, her father or saying, well, her father walked her down an aisle. Is he a father? Because what father will walk his child down an aisle to be in the arms of a nasty man, an unethical man? Because when you are unethical, you do not have the ability to reason for what is right. Absolutely. You just don't. When you are unethical, you do you you honestly have no real conscious of right. Because you only think what you do is right. What you think is right. Your ways are right. Everything that everything everything that surrounds you, you are the epitome of what is right. So therefore, that's what you that, that that's what you project off to others. So what father would walk the child down the aisle? Now, some of y'all have asked, well, what about the mother? She wasn't there, but why didn't the mother stop it? The mother did not have, we have to understand the voice of a mother. If the mother's voice has been robbed from the child's life, right. that mother no longer has the influence over said child. Right. Because now the voice of influence is two sick men. And, and, and not only that, the mother have ex having experienced this same type of spiritual abuse, same. this same type of mental and psychological oppression, um, and, and then also attempting to be mindful of any future desire or, or hope for relationship with the child. Now, I have not spoken uh, uh, with the mother, but there is a measure of empathy that I think we should collectively extend to a mother, a woman who is in an environment where these men obviously have the power. It is unconscionable and irresponsible that her father walked her down the aisle and 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 one of the people close to them said that he said, I can't believe my daughter's marrying a presiding bishop more enamored with the idea of his daughter being the first lady mm -hmm. than he was mindful of his responsibility to be a father, to be a father. And blood is on his hands as well. Uh, uh, and, 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 and another you know argument that that I think is just so ignorant of of us as saints is you know what what scripture exactly condemns this oh yeah you i've know, heard what, that one what what scripture you know number one and, and then using ex examples of exploitative relationships in the scripture to justify it number one we got to get clear that just because the bible records something does not mean that God sanctions that something. Much of the scriptures are historicity set in context. It's historical record. And just because something happened in history 
doesn't mean that it was God's sanction. But the other thing that we need to consider is some of what we read in particular in the Old Testament are the laws and the social constructs of a people, people who themselves had a culture and a social convention that women were property, women were to be sold from father to husband, had no voice, had no value. Those same scriptures that we attempt to hide our response hide behind when it comes to us being responsible. Deuteronomy chapter number 22 says that if a man rapes a girl mm -hmm. who is not betrothed, that he has to marry her. Marry her. Mm -hmm. He has to. This is what the Bible records. So certainly it is theologically and exegetically irresponsible for of us to approach the scriptures and not approach them with historical analysis in mind. You cannot divorce text from its context, which means its historical context, yes. and be true to the text. I think that a, a, lot, a lot of that happens because people as a whole have not been taught that, right? It, and, it, and I'm going to say it. When you've been taught by unlearned pastors, yes the Bible, yes. you're going to have an unlearned opinion on how to apply the text in the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. And what we have here is you, you, a lot of unlearned pastors who never went to any school, just thought that they can just pick up a Bible and read it. And now you're a pastor and you've taught people erroneously. You've taught people errors in doctrine their whole entire life, truth Absolutely. be told. And Absolutely. now you have this generation of people whom have no idea how to even view the Bible, especially the Old Testament, for its historical context. Number one, I said this maybe last week or something. I said, what we do is we attempt to apply the Old Testament to the church. That's ever in and out of itself. Because you're, you're, you're applying something that was for a culture, for a particular set people in that particular set time. And now you're trying to apply it thousands of years later in 2022 and wondering why half of y'all make absolutely no sense when you're attempting to tell me what, how it is I'm supposed to live because you're applying text incorrectly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have that, and that, and that is that has been embedded in us. And until people as a whole begin to study the word for themselves, we need to be more students over what we know. Right. But we don't like that responsibility, so we want to absolve the responsibility of the study. And well, the pastor told me that, so that make it right. You ain't you ain't go back and read it for yourself. You ain't go back and search. You didn't go back and study. And this right. is and this is the reason why you have that Christ apostolic church over there in Des Moines, Iowa, with a bunch of robots who don't think. Everything that man says is true and everyone else is a liar. Absolutely. Everybody else is Satan. We're, we're, what he said, we're all being used of the devil. Used of the devil, he said, and, and, and we have stopped, me in particular, I've stopped people from coming, coming in that church, church to yes. get saved. No, we've stopped them from coming into a cult to be abused and oppressed and the blood be on our hands if we know what we know and we sit idly by and quiet woe be unto us what we are witnessing is is the words of the prophet isaiah 
in real time, in real life, where the words mm -hmm. or the ideas of right have been exchanged for wrong and wrong has been exchanged for right. We don't know, in particular, in the American church, we don't have a real biblical concept of what a prophet looks like we because we have minimized prophetic function solely to personal prophecy, personal fortune telling and, per and personal soothsaying. Yes. Prophesying about your stuff, your house and your car. And I'm not saying that God won't at times speak to you to give you a word of encouragement, but that is the very base level operation of prophetic ministry. Every prophet we see in scripture was always assigned to speak truth to power and to confront not only governmental systems, because we're okay when, when confrontation is coming from the church to the world, yep. but prophets were assigned to speak truth and to confront misappropriation of spiritual authority yes. within religious systems. Yes. Uh, uh, the prophet Jeremiah stands up after the people had been in oppression and, and the prophet Han Hananiah got up and said, the Lord said, we're getting ready to come out of this. And the prophet Jeremiah, initially he said, amen, amen, so be it. But when he went back into prayer, the Bible says that the Lord came to him and said, Hananiah is a lying prophet. Yep. And you're to go back out there and you're to cry out against him in front of the people. He could not worry, number one, about what was going to be said about him. He couldn't worry about what well, just a minute ago you were saying amen. Just a minute ago you was with it. Now you're talking against it. And he could not worry about Hananiah's reputation as a prophet of God. You are primarily charged with the safeguarding and keeping of the Lord's flock. That's God right. does not care about any of our reputations, brands, or ministries. His focus is the souls of his sheep. You know, Bishop, you just speak my language. This is the language I speak. I, I don't know any other language, but um, what I will say is, is that we have to come together more. Absolutely. When it comes down to calling out what is wrong and stop being afraid. Absolutely. We have to come together more and stop coming against those of us that are not afraid. Right. If you're too scared to come out and be in the forefront, that is perfectly fine. Please Absolutely. stay behind, but don't block what we're doing either. Don't attempt to tell us that we're wrong. Don't attempt to tell us that we need to be quiet. Don't attempt to tell us everyone has their day on judgment. They know judgment is right here. That's it. And we have the responsibility as who we are to stand against what we know goes against God. We know that this goes against God. We know that it goes against the ethical practices of God. We know that this goes against the character of God. We know that this goes against the heart of God. And we know that this goes against the mind of God. So therefore, when we know we can't be scared to take a stance and stand against it, no matter what comes our way, no matter what attack, no matter what cease and desist letter comes, don't speak my name, don't do X, Y, and Z, a hit dog will holler. And that dog been hollering for the last few weeks. Okay. Yeah. Because, and you know, I saw that uh -huh. letter circulating oh, yeah. on, on the internet. Uh, uh, I haven't received it, number one. Wait uh, a minute. Wait. Because what he specifically said on that broadcast on Sunday was, why you ain't post that? 
That's what he said. So and let me one, say I what ha- I said. And let me say, let me say what I said. Let me tell you, right? Because I sat and I watched this thing, and I said, he gave it for it to be spread. Absolutely. I said Absolutely. he as soon as I saw that, and I said, that man gave this to be spread. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. he employs people to do his dirty work. Absolutely. I don't think y'all fully understand what really goes on here behind the scenes in some in, in, in this in this in these blogging streets. Absolutely. Especially when a ministry has money. They will pay you to do their dirty work. Absolutely. If Absolutely. you're a blogger, they will pay and if you can be bought, they will pay you to do their dirty work. Absolutely. I, Nikia Monet, can't be bought. I got a job. Let me put that out there. No, so right. can't nobody pay me to do their dirty work. But go ahead with this cease and desist yeah. that you ain't never received. So so I have not been served with that. Number two, number two, even if I had, I wouldn't have taken it seriously. The the the, the terrible grammar and spelling in that letter is just reprehensible. What I lawyer would, wrote that? Right. Number three, that cease and desist letter is as worthless as the paper that it's printed on. Um, I have spoken no lies. Um, You all will notice I preface everything that I say with upon information and belief, which is legal allegedly. (laughs) Right. That's a nice fancy way of allegedly. I say allegedly. Right. Absolutely. And then, again, I don't know this man. I'm not pulling stuff out of the sky. I've also been in ministry long enough to know that there, there are times when people will leave a ministry and, and be offended. They can make stuff up, say yeah. stuff. But this is not that. It is the not. The fact is, we, we can put everything else on pause. The fact is, a 63-year-old man who has been a pastor of this church since 2017, which means that girl who's been in this church since she was a child would have been 14 15 years old, the pastor and overseer and dean of the school who was counseling this member married a teenager. Put a period there. Skip period. everything else you have heard. Put a period there. There is no world, no world where that is anything other than unethical. But when we add the kinds of threats, mm-hmm. the kinds of vow words that are spoken over the pulpit against God's people, when we add the kind of abuse that these people have experienced, numbers of people, and I'm talking about people who, again, they're not even in communication with names and dates and yeah. timelines, who them, who make themselves culpable, hear this, for illegal activities yes. carried out at the behest of this cultic culture. We can't sweep that under the rug. Y'all go on shouting and dancing and speaking in tongues while there is a very blatant use and abuse of spiritual authority being conducted down in Des Moines, Iowa. And we got to understand, this doesn't just represent him and that church. Because now what happens in the recesses of people's minds, now they're looking at every, I'm a bishop, now they're looking at every pastor saying, well, I wonder if he's looking at my child. That's and I right. wonder if, 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 if that's what's going to happen with my kid. If it is being done in one space, it's being done in every space. And we have a responsibility to open our mouth and to cry out and to cry loud. And as she said, I understand that everybody doesn't have the grace or the assignment to be on the front line with such confrontations. But the old saints, there was an old song, if you can't help me, 
please don't stop me. That's, get out, the out of my way. Don't try to. But I want you all that are watching to ask yourselves the question, what wickedness, harm, or sin am I, Nakia, any of these other bloggers, any of these other prophets, any of these other pastors, what violation of scripture have we perpetrated? I understand that he is uncomfortable with this light being shined on them because they've been able to scave under the radar years. in that small city. What'd you say? For years. Absolutely. So I understand it's uncomfortable. I can empathize with the reality of discomfort that this is causing to those people. But here's the fact. The fact is we're in alignment with scriptures. The word of God has commanded us to cry out against this stuff. And while y'all are using scriptures to try to muzzle mouths, we're going to do what God has assigned us to do, what Jesus did. We're going to use the scriptures to unmuzzle the mouths of those who have been oppressed and violated. And I think that that is important. One of the things, one of the reasons why this entire platform was created was because church people were trying to muzzle my mouth from telling the truth, trying to keep me from not being able to tell even what happened to me in the church married to a bishop in the church, you know? And I think that part of the issue is, is that as a whole, we don't like what makes us uncomfortable. Because and that's, that's not just church, that's black folks too. Period. Right. We don't like what makes us uncomfortable. And when someone's story, when someone's truth makes us uncomfortable, the first thing we tell them, be quiet. Don't speak about it out loud. Take it to God in prayer. Take it to God in prayer and you be quiet. You don't want to bring a reproach, not that you're bringing a reproach unto the person. You don't want to bring a, rep a, re a reproach unto the church. Right. If you open your mouth, you're bringing a reproach unto God. If you right. open your mouth, you're going to, your testimony, your witness is going to cause others to stumble and fall. We are taught all and it's wrong. It is incorrect. It is not the correct gospel. It is not even the gospel of peace. It is it is nothing but man-made doctrine because we don't like the truth because it makes us uncomfortable. Absolutely. And the simple fact of the matter is, is I'm going to say, I don't give a damn about nobody's comfortability right now. When you have a child that has now been taken advantage of by not only one man, but now two men, three men, four men, an entire church body that she grew to trust as a child in a childlike mind. No, I have a problem and I'm going to speak about it. Absolutely. Because we, we, ha we have a problem. And she's not the only one. She's not. This is just the only one that has made it public. She's not the only one. There's another one. And we don't speak about it because he's older and the woman is older. But when did he gain his interest in her? She was young. She was a teenager. Yeah. He was just wise enough to marry somebody else and then wait, get divorced from that person and wait for that woman to turn 30. This is known. Yeah. This has been going on for years. And like I said before, we are the ones that employ these people. Why? Because they would not be who they are without us. People. That's right us. We keep funding all of this foolishness with what? Your money, your tithe, your offering, all the things in which you give, you fund it. Absolutely. And Absolutely. it's time to dry it up. Dry How do it we up. keep 
funding foolishness? How do we keep funding wickedness? How do we keep funding evilness? How do we keep funding what is wrong? Dry it up. They can't survive without your money. It's just what it is. And the truth of the matter is, and this is what I said before, I said the government needs to know because he is 501c3. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he received PPP money mm -hmm. from the government to run what? That school. Yep. It's all public information. When you look things up, it's public. When you and, start and, searching. And what, and what is concerning to me, even with that, is the state of Iowa's attorney general's office opened this major investigation into clergy sexual misconduct within the Catholic church in that state. Mm-hmm a predominantly white church organization. But here we have very overtly, no attempt to hide it at all, a black child who has clear, who is clearly the victim of clergy abuse and predatory misconduct. And, and it's an uphill battle that, uh, that, that we are having to, to fight. The idea that we will shame and blame victims mm -hmm. and say that victims are bringing a reproach when they speak out, not the perpetrator. That's not the reproach, but that's not what we see in scripture. First yeah. Corinthians chapter number five, Paul said the reproach was the perpetrator. Paul said it was, listen to his words in the first verse. It has been commonly reported to me. That means folk were talking. talking. They were telling and telling. It's been commonly reported to me that there's stuff going on in the church that ain't even named amongst the world. Unsaved heathens got better sense than to know, than to use their power and access as a caregiver to marry a child. But here we are, supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost, supposed oh. to have discernment, the voice of God. And you don't know that it's wrong for a grandpa to marry someone, a girl who's younger than his grandchildren. Right. We, we, we got to do we got to do better and we have a responsibility and 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 here where when you have the power as a bishop as a man as as a person with a public ministry I've got power in my world when you have power you have a responsibility to lend that power to the voice of those who don't have it you mm -hmm. have a responsibility when you have power to amplify the cry of the oppressed, the marginalized, and the victimized. And if the only thing that you use your power to do is to raise tithes and offering, Jesus confronted those religious leaders for that same thing. He said, you teach tithing of, of anise and cumin, he said, but you have forgotten the weightier matters of mercy and justice. This is not a matter of just some, some spiritual misstep. This is an injustice that has been perpetrated on a child and all of these saints who have been abused in the name of God. If you don't want the responsibility, take the collar off. If you don't want the responsibility, stop receiving the honor. To whom much is given, much is required. And I think that's the key, you know, and I, I think and, and, and we have to really, like you said, understand the scriptures in order to apply it to what is really happening today. 
and what the stance is. So what I would like to ask you, someone asked a question earlier and I want to address it. She said, what advice would you give a parent that sees that their child or a family member that sees that someone in their family is falling victim to a cult-like church like this? What advice would we give in order to help them to come out of it? Sure. Number one, you as as a, a family member want to approach that person with a great deal of humility, a great deal of empathy. Because remember, one of the things that a cult leader is going to do is to polarize those members. It's us versus them. And, uh, and so the minute you come confrontationally with a person who you have familiar personal relationship with, the wall is going to come up. The guard is going to come up. So number one, you got to approach them with a great measure of humility and meekness and with the word of God. And you've got to, uh, you've got to parcel out. You've got to stagger some of that conversation. And it's got to be based on the scriptures. Hey, I was reading this. What do you think about this? Here's what the scripture says. What's your view? about that. I, I saw on Sunday, pastor got over the pulpit and said X, Y, and Z. Now, now, now what do we think about that in light of, of what the word of God says? Number two, if, um, if you are seeing that there is an abuse of, uh, of, of power uh, and an abuse that goes this far, like with a teenager marrying a 63-year-old man, you need to contact every agency that you can to file a report. I don't care how much they try to minimize it, how much they try to make it quiet. Uh, one of the things that we've been encouraging people to do is uh, on, on the petition online, there is a link where you can go into the attorney general's website and uh, send in a complaint. It is important that this is consistently, and when I looked earlier, it was about 5,500 folks on there. It is consistently reported over and over and over and over and over again so that people are, so that the powers that be are conscious that this is a concern uh, for the public and for constituents within that uh, municipality. And I think that's great advice. And I, I do want to, to highlight the fact that you did say something that was very monumental. The same state had, you know, sexual allegations against the Catholic church, predominantly white, you know, ministry. But when it comes down to us and a young black girl, it's hardly any traction. Um, and a lot of that has a lot to do with the fact that we are not protected as black people, period. Absolutely. Okay. And this is when we have to make our voices be heard and stand collectively um, to make them Right. do something because right. it should be investigated. If that means that we contact the board of education, if that means we contact the government itself, they're the ones that's giving money and funding, funding the vision of a man that just married a kid. If that means that that's what we have to do, then we need to make everybody uncomfortable Absolutely. because this isn't right. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. not right. Absolutely. Down to the person that married them. Because he's I, part of he's part of their um now I'm a, I don't know if you were going to, but I'ma say his name. Hold on. Let me I don't remember his name. Up. I just know I mess I definitely messaged him. I know his last name is Manly. Yes, there's, him. There's there's nothing, nothing manly about marrying no no 
grandpa to a teenager, Bishop Robert Manley. The blood is on your hands, sir. And God will judge you for standing before that people in that place called the church and turning over a child in the name of God to a man old enough to be her grandpa. The blood is on your hands. And I also messaged, she is the superintendent of their organization. Because I said, I have a problem with everybody. And if you're part of it, I have a problem, okay? And I'm going to address the problem with everyone that is part of the problem. And I don't know how you say her name, Bronis or something like that, but she is the superintendent of that organization. And I definitely messaged her as well, because at the end of the day, in her profile, she said that she had like some type of woman's empowerment. And I needed to understand how is a woman standing as if she's empowering women, but you're allowing this to go on without question. I have a problem. Yeah. So one of the things, and I I need people to understand one of the things about... I am not the person as 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 much as y'all don't understand. I don't broadcast on Facebook everything that I do, because I mean anybody who was raised in the, in the real streets, we move in silence, and we speak when we need to speak. That's why I waited a while to even do this show because I said I need to wait because something something more is going to happen. They began threatening people that have spoken out against them. They began posting people's individual addresses in order to put them in harm's way. They began to make threats against women with violence, but then attempted to cover up those threats to act as if they didn't threaten a person when they actually did. When you have stuff like this going on, on a large scale, in order to cover up a corrupt system, because this is all corruption, this is all corrupt, this is corrupt, Uh, from what I understand, it's been corrupt, Uh, he didn't start the corruption, it's been corrupt, The, the, the ministry has been corrupt for a very long time, so this has been embedded in a culture of corruption, and now when you have this embedded in a culture of corruption, now that this corruption is being exposed, because it has never been exposed before on this level, it took for this to happen in order for the lid to come off, basically, and everything is now being uncovered. Why? Because there are a lot of women that got tired. They have come on to um, a lot of posts. They have spoken up. They have spoken out. They um, A lot of people that have been connected to that ministry have spoken up and they have spoken out because they are utterly disgusted with what is going on. And we as a people, y'all claim to be elders. Y'all claim to be prophets. Y'all claim to be pastors. Y'all claim to be evangelists. Y'all claim to be bishops. Y'all claim to be apostles and you teachers. Y'all claim to operate in all these fivefold, but I do not see a united front of the body of Christ standing together and coming against this. I'm questioning all y'all. You ain't going to get me calling you bishop. I'm not calling you apostle. I'm not calling you minister. I'm not calling you nothing. I'm going to call you by your name because you don't even walk worthy 
of the vocation of your calling. You are called and you are charged to stand against this and you won't. I will not respect not none of y'all because you do not respect God. You don't. You act as if you do with your mouth. You do, but your heart is far from it because you're this should have pricked your heart so much that everybody. Yup. I, I would, you know, y'all come against some of the dumbest stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They won't, they, they, they coming against us over here. They, they don't want us here. Y'all get mad at that little frivolous stuff that don't nobody really care about. But when it come down to something that's real, you ain't got no words. No, not calling none of y'all nothing. That's Nikia speaking. I'm telling you what I'm not, I'm not doing it. I have no respect for anybody that does not cry out against an egregious act. This is egregious. It is disgusting and it is immoral. It is unethical. No one should be allowed to do this. No one should be allowed to get away with this and stand and and and, and grandstand in a pulpit at that. And y'all oh, quiet. Y'all jerks got mad at Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. I ain't seen so many church people psychoanalyze all this mess that's going. A person that's a Scientologist at that. Y'all done did all this stuff, but you see that this is what we talking about, and ain't not one of y'all offered a finger of help. And have have defended reprehens their reprehensible pastors for far worse. Far worse. For far worse. Lives are being ruined in the name of God. And I said that any pastor, I'm talking about in my personal sphere of influence, that can at least say, again, I understand this is not everybody's assignment. I got that. Come and add it at the degree that, that we are. I got that. But if you can't at least say this is wrong, this is not right. If you can't at least lend your voice to put your name on a petition to say, hey, look into this. I got, I'm looking at you sideways because now I want to know what in you, what is it that you need to protect in you so that you won't speak out against that? Because half of y'all nasty. That's the problem. That's what y'all don't like to admit. Because some of y'all done had these little girls sitting on your laps and stuff. And you don't like, you don't want your little skeletons to be exposed about the things in which you've done. And this is why, truth be told, this is a national cry that some of y'all need to get all of this in order. All yeah. of this. Like, y'all like to judge me because of my tattoos and stuff. Y'all say I'm worldly and all this other extra stuff. But I bet you I know that Bible better than half of y'all. Why? Because I study and I know God. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. And I understand that it might not be your assignment, but you have a moral obligation. That's Forget it. this assignment. That's right? it. You got to do it we, to respond. Yeah. You, you have a moral obligation because this goes against what you're supposed to be standing for. You have an obligation and you're too scared to actually live up to that obligation. So if you won't live up to the obligation, guess who ain't calling you by no man-made title that you done gave yourself? Nakia, I'm not. I'm fair warning. I'm telling y'all right now, come for me if you want to. Your name is going to be whatever it is, whatever I feel like calling you for that day. It might just be she, her, it, them, they. I don't care. Whatever the little pronouns are, that's what you're going to get called. Why? Because I'm tired of y'all. This is Nikia speaking. This ain't Bishop. This is Nikia. I'm telling you what I'm saying. I'm tired of y'all because y'all come against the wrong stuff and y'all never come against what's what you're supposed to come against. Come against what is right and take a stand for what's right. 
all this foolishness. Y'all be mad at some of the dumbest things. She don't pray like how I, I think she should pray. He, You seen that shout? Don't know, ain't nobody supposed to shout like that. Y'all get mad at dumb stuff. We over here fighting a real fight and y'all mad at dumb, frivolous things that don't even matter in, in, the, in the whole scheme of things. That doesn't matter. Jeremiah right. 22 and 3 says, Thus said the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor. That is a prophetic instruction. That is an apostolic instruction. And uh, I, I prophesied at the beginning of last year that we are getting ready to see many of these movements that have been in every other system of the world coming into the church. What the Lord used this pandemic to do for two years is to detox the soul of the church and the collective mind of God's people so that where there had been a blinding and blinders and a deafening to what God was clearly against, the hearts and souls of his people are rising up and awakening. And you can't mute us. You can't muzzle us. I'm in, I'm in the system, but I'm not of it. I'm not on your payroll. You can't control my mouth. Um, God, God has been good to me. And so whether you ever invite me to your church or not, uh, we good over here. And if we weren't, if God's got to send a raven into the desert, the same faith that I instruct people to live by is the faith we got to live by. So uh, y'all got to sign that petition if you haven't signed it change.org backslash investigate Dwight Reed. Um, those that may ask how they can aid or be a part, you can text C-A-T unmuzzled, C-A-T unmuzzled. You can text that to 54244, C-A-T unmuzzled. If somebody could type that there in your comments that are watching, C-A-T unmuzzled, text that to 54244. C-A-T, uh, what'd you say, C-A-T? C-A-T, mm -hmm, unmuzzled. And uh, can text that to the number 54244. And um, 54244. And um, we're coming to Des Moines on April the 13th. We are coming to the city, myself, other pastors from around the nation, this has not been in the news in Des Moines, but I can guarantee you that very shortly it will be. Um, they're not going to be able to turn a, a blinded eye to this. Uh, we're coming to do a press conference there and to meet with, pray with, fellowship with those saints that have been um, violated and abused that have come out of this culture. We want you all to know God is still mindful of you. I don't care what kind of wickedness is coming across that pulpit. God is mindful of you. And uh, God has you on his heart, which is why he would have people like Nakia, myself, these other folk who do not know you, have nothing to gain, have nothing to gain. Do not have a horse in the race to pick up. We're coming across the nation and money out of, out of my own pocket because God is mindful about you and is mindful about that young lady. So support us as you can. Lend your voice. Share. When you see these videos, share them. You see these posts, hit the share button. Hit the like button so that as many people as possible can be made aware of um, this this wolf in sheep's clothing. This that Paul said, an angel of darkness have been transformed into an angel of light. Um, spread the word. Bishop, I would like to thank you for coming on today. Um, 
we have never met before, um, but you know, I, I reached out because I, this is important to me. Um, I, I have a heart for people. Um, I especially have a heart for young women. And to watch the videos of these young women that are speaking out um, and to watch them be attacked, to watch them be trolled, to watch them, you know, honestly uh, be re-victimized, right? Because they were already victims. And then you have people that are coming um, in order to re-victimize them all over again, to call them a liar, to call them, you know, dishonest, to basically attempt to uh, discredit them and tear them down at, at the core of who they are. Um, speaks volumes to me because a lot of the times what we fail to do is we, we fail to protect the people that have been hurt the most. Absolutely. And why would any of us uh, be a part of the body and not protect those who have been hurt and not call them back so that they understand that God is real, that God is love, that what they experienced was not true to who God is. And we have a duty to be able to do that. And we have not successfully done that to everyone. Because we pick and choose who we want to support. I am not she. And so, which is the reason why when I saw, I had to reach out. Yeah. Right. I reached out to Jasmine. When I saw, I said, oh, no, wait, I have to reach out. Are you in the first? Are you okay? Right. right? Because we don't reach out with the hidden agenda. A lot of y'all reach out because y'all want people to come up on your platforms and stuff. What I did not want is for anyone to come up here publicly and they were not ready to handle right. public, right? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. you have to have extreme thick skin to handle the court of public opinion. Because some of y'all are very vile and you're very nasty. I experienced it my own self when I went public with what happened to me. And y'all attacked me at the core of me. But I'm just happy that I ain't listen to none of y'all dummies. Because I wouldn't be where I am today if I would have listened. Right. So therefore, we have to learn how to embrace more and attack less. OK, right. because it takes courage to come out and take a stand against what's wrong and what has what you know has personally happened to you. It takes courage to be able to do that. It, it, it takes a certain level of, 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 of faith and a certain level of, you know what? It's for God I live and for God I die. So if I die in the midst of this, I'm okay. It is well because I know that I'm standing for something that I personally believe in. Okay. And we if can't I keep taking that away from people. In the army of the Lord. You know, I'm Lord. churchy. Hello. You got the excuse. <laughs> 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 you know, we sang those songs in a good Baptist church. So I'm okay with it. I am okay yeah, with I'm it. Churchy. You know, I appreciate but, you uh, having us on your platform too. And, Lending your voice to it. Um, it, it. All of us have to collectively lend our voice or the church, that community, the city will keep on sweeping this stuff under the rug. And those days are over, unmuzzled. That's the word of the season. See, y'all, and I done came up with the Muzzles Off podcast two years ago. And look at look this. At See, look I'm at trying God. to tell. Listen, they don't be believing <laughs> Okay, yeah. but the muzzle is off and it's been off and it's going to stay off. And I want everyone to know that if you too were affected by anything and not just this, by anything, don't hesitate. Reach out. Reach out. 
I am one of those people that are definitely available. Reach out because what I don't want, I don't want anyone to be lost um, within what they're dealing with and within what they're struggling with. Reach out. You know, that's the message. Reach out because, you know, this is this this is this is not something that will ever just get swept underneath a rug. We're going to stand in this until uh, until something happens. Ground's about to shake and we're going to be the ones shaking it up. OK, so Bishop. Thank you. Thank you. Um, whatever I can do, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to do it. Do what I've been doing, um, and 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 we are definitely one of everyone needs to keep Jordan in prayer. Um, one of the one of one of his tricks is to make her feel like we're all against her. That is right. a trick. One of his tricks is to make her feel like she can't be alone um, because we're after her. That is right. a trick. Um, it is. He's very manipulative. He's very cunning in that way. So keep Jordan in prayer because he's not allowing her out of his sight. Keep her in prayer. Okay. Someone always has to be around her because he has her convinced that we're trying to harm her. And that's a lie. It's okay. A so, um, and also as you guys go to Des Moines, we're going to keep you all in prayer because okay. as we can see, he already, as of the, the previous Sunday, he put out the call for them to bear arms. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I pay very close attention to words that people speak. Okay. Y'all never said that y'all were coming to the church, No. but he for sure made sure to tell his people to bear arms. Right. So we will definitely keep, keep you and everyone that is traveling um, in prayer uh, going into Des Moines, because you don't know, um, how far someone would go right. with what they think they're doing is right. right. And, and, and that's the problem that we have. That's the mind that is being controlled. That is the cult mind. So we're going to definitely keep you guys all in prayer as well. Thank um, so thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you for everything that you are doing. And um, we're just going to stand in this together. All Absolutely. of us as a collective, we're going to stand in this together. Absolutely. And um, I truly do appreciate Everyone that has been in my inbox, I appreciate all of y'all with, with every bit of information that y'all have had. I appreciate it. So we're in this fight. We're going to stand in this fight. And until the next time I come live, y'all, good night and be safe, everybody. Good night. Good night.